Welcome to the Healing My Parts podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating and raising awareness about dissociative identity disorder, also known as DID. We are your hosts, the system behind Healing My Parts, which also includes parts that function as a therapist and leader in a mental health niche space. We'll be sharing tips and tools that have helped us and many others, while also sharing insights from our own journey of living with the condition. We'll also be hosting guests for conversations to help educate, dispel myths, and most especially help those living with dissociative identities and professionals who treat the condition. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now, let's get healing. Welcome to episode one of Healing My Parts podcast. We are your hosts, the system behind Healing My Parts which includes parts that function together as a therapist and leader in a mental health niche space. If you happen to follow us on Instagram or if you read our blog on Substack, you've probably seen a tab that says podcast for, oh, quite a while. And we are finally launching and we're really happy about that. We're really excited actually that we're launching in January just because ah, it feels salient to launch the first month of a new year somehow. So we are thinking that it is quite possible that this podcast will have multiple iterations as it kind of figures out what it wants to be, but we're thinking it is a really great way to connect with you, to share information and experiences, especially when eh, maybe creating content on Instagram or blogging and writing isn't really possible because hashtag DID life gets in the way sometimes, as many of you know. We also have a really big job and family obligations and a full life and You know, I think a lot of you know how that is, but it doesn't change the desire to want to connect and share information, especially information that might be helpful. So we're planning on sharing a lot of things that we wish we knew a lot sooner. And we'll share tools and tips that have helped us as well as other people that we know. We'll have other professionals on for conversations, other people who have dissociative identities, other people who are in just relevant areas of interest to folks who have DID or people who treat DID. So we're looking forward to that. We're also hopeful that if there are topics that you would like us to cover or maybe people that you think would be interesting guests to have on or fun to have on that you will let us know. And you can do that by shooting us a DM on our Instagram account at Healing My Parts, or you could comment on any of our blogs on Substack or just send us an email to healingmyparts at gmail.com. So I think a good place to begin is with a little bit of an introduction for who we are, especially for people who don't follow us on Instagram or who haven't read our intro blog or any of our blogs on Substack. It might be confusing for some people who have probably already noticed that we go back and forth between using I and we as pronouns. And there are lots of different reasons for that. Uh, We just use whatever is natural when we're talking. Sometimes that's I, sometimes that's we. It depends on who is fronting, which means which part is in executive control of the body and also decisions and speaking. It also depends on parts that might be exerting a lot of passive influence. Parts have lots of opinions, including parts right now telling me that I should say this a little bit more eloquently than I am. So you'll have to bear with me as I sift through their their opinions as well. Those of you who have DID know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to that. 
So the other thing that I think is probably that people are probably curious about is why did we introduce ourselves as the system behind healing my parts and not use our legal name? Especially because we know there are probably people that are listening who know exactly who we are or people who are listening who recognize our voice and are thinking, wait, I think I know who that is. And if you are in the camp of, wait, I think I know who that is, if you want to go ahead and contact us through Instagram or through email and ask, we are not going to deny who we are. We will confirm it. We are at this point just not taking out a billboard with our name on it and not having any type of formal, quote unquote, coming out, if you will, for a couple of different reasons. Um, and there, here are the reasons in no particular order. One we are recognized in a mental health niche area. I'm not convinced that that niche area is particularly open to DID yet, although I think they are coming around to that a little bit more as people learn about it. Just to clarify, that statement is not meant to cast any shade on any professional that works in the niche field that we work in. But rather, it is a fact that there is really no clinician that receives training on how to recognize or treat DID or OSDD in graduate school. You learn about all the other diagnoses and how to treat them, but you do not learn about DID and OSDD. In fact, they get to DID and OSDD and they're sort of like, oh, that's really rare. Don't worry about it. You'll never see it. And they kind of like move on. They might give you a really brief overview of what the diagnosis is, but that's about it. And the reality is we know that DID is not rare. There are many studies that show that it is more prevalent than bipolar disorder. It's more prevalent than bulimia. It's more prevalent than schizophrenia. Yet we learn about all of those. So people in the community that we work in are just beginning to understand that they have people with DID and OSDD on their caseloads. So it's new they're, they're learning and we're giving them space and time for that. And we are hoping to be part of the educational process. So that said, we have some recognition in a different area of mental health practice. And while there's some intersection between the two, this is a space that we feel really, really passionate about and protective of. We want it to be focused on dissociative identity disorder and we want the space to be protected and we want the content to focus on that. There will be some intersection with that other niche area that we work in, but we really want this content to be relevant to all of you and to remain, yeah, just protected and a, a space that we're passionate about. I feel like I'm belaboring this point. And certainly there is a part inside that's letting me know that I've just been belaboring this point and I can move on from it. There is, as you all know, a substantial amount of stigma attached to DID. And so here's the conundrum, right? I've always felt really strongly, and we've always felt really strongly, about leveraging the privilege that we do have in order to make the journey of others softer. And so it could be said, you have a position of power and you have a really solid career and a solid track record why wouldn't you say that you have DID? That could really help people. It can help dispel the myth of, and misconceptions, right, of DID that we see promulgated through the media time and time and time again, right? The media loves to portray us as like fascinating. 
Getting to the point, basically, the media does not portray people with DID as successful. They generally portray us as incredibly compromised or always in crisis. And that's just frankly not the case. There are so many people with DID who are wildly successful in all walks and areas of life. So the reality is because the media chooses to portray people with DID as being wildly compromised and unable to function, that's what people think DID is like or having DID is like. And as a result of that stereotype, people who have DID are discriminated against in ways that compromise their like their livelihoods. So people lose their jobs. Even people who have been working for companies for 20 plus years tell stories about how when their diagnosis was leaked, they were immediately terminated from their position. Of course, getting fired for DID is not legal, but companies find other ways or other reasons for terminating people from positions. And that is a really large risk for anyone to take. Okay, all of that said, do I think that the organization we work for would fire us for having DID? No, I don't. The organization that I'm blessed to work for is progressive, feels really strongly about advocating for people with intersecting marginalized and oppressed identities. It is really an incredible organization with an amazing community. I'm saying this more to make a point that there are so many people that are silenced because of the very real risk of losing their livelihoods. And it is unfair. It is not right. I'm sitting here thinking it's a little bit ironic that I'm making such a big deal of, of sharing our name, you know, especially given that, like, we've acknowledged that there are people who know who we are, people who suspect they know who we are. It's only a matter of time before we either just share our name or that people find out very organically. And, you know, when that happens, my hope is that people will look at the fact that we have a really great career. We've had a really great career We try to do a lot of good in the world, and I hope that people see us as just a very run-of-the-mill example of somebody with DID who is functioning very well in the world and that the diagnosis is not a limitation. If anything, it has been an incredible asset, and I hope that more and more people are able to see it that way. Something else that might be helpful to know about our system is that we tend to be really private. We don't share the names of our parts with other people We don't share them publicly. Our system is really good at masking, which means that whatever part is out or fronting, it's going to look and act like any other part. So it will look much more consistent. People who are really adept at picking up subtle switches may notice it's not that likely. And for people who are interested in learning more about what switching can look like and are really interested in learning more about names of parts and ages of parts. There are so many different good social media accounts out there that focus on that. We encourage you to follow them. It doesn't seem like we need to replicate that. And it's not really the goal of how we plan to show up here. So we just kind of wanted to say that up front. It doesn't mean we're not going to reference parts. It doesn't mean we won't describe parts from time to time. It doesn't mean we're not gonna be sharing experiences of what it's like to live with dissociative identities but it'll be in a slightly different way. It'll be probably similar to the way that we've shown up in our blog on Substack. We are looking forward to this space because it does give us a 
a place to elaborate on some of the content we've put out, for example, on Instagram, those little slides do not give you a lot of room to be able to say much of anything on them. So it's always, I always feel like it's so cryptic, right? I'm trying to explain a concept, but I have a character limit or a line limit. And then if you make the font too small, people can't read it. But if you don't elaborate, people don't fully understand how to do something or what you actually mean. So it's really kind of nice to have a place to be able to just elaborate on that stuff and just explain it a little bit better. And speaking of that, I just kind of want to move into the topic of denial, honestly, because when I think about people who might be at the beginning of their journey or just sort of discovering their system or realizing that they have a system and you can discover your system in a lot of different ways, right? Like you can the reality is you can watch people on social media, you can hear some of their experiences and think, oh, that sounds just like me. You may discover in the course of therapy, you may kind of have always known as you come to the realization of, oh, all of these different voices in my head are not just thoughts, which is what a lot of us think. Um, all of the images that you may see of the different parts in your head, you might think everybody sees that. It's not necessarily the case. Um, there are a lot of different signs and symptoms that begin to come together where you realize, oh, this is a thing. And when you first realize it in a meaningful way, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second, but like when you first realize that you are a system in a way that has meaning, it feels absolutely surreal. Now, some people will say, oh my God, it was a huge relief. It absolutely explained my entire life. and I will say, yes, it absolutely explains my entire life. But our experience was that it felt really surreal when it was a meaningful realization. So we were first diagnosed in the 90s when like literally life just kind of went to shit. We had gone from extremely high functioning and a successful student juggling many, many things to like just shit fell apart. And when it fell apart, it really fell apart for a number of years. And so it became apparent probably five or six years into literally not being able to function and being very sick. And so we ended up with that diagnosis in the, I'm trying to think, late 90s, in the 90s anyway. And it happened to also be right at the height of the false memory syndrome era. So lots and lots of therapists were terrified of being sued. They were terrified of being accused of planting false memories. People were, I guess this part hasn't changed much. People were uh, accused of quote unquote faking symptoms and not really having a DID, which back in the nineties was initially called multiple personality disorder. And so we got the label and we were told it was something that we had and there was no treatment because nobody wanted to touch it with a 10 foot pole. And there was a lot of, we, had, we have a substantial amount of treatment trauma for a lot of many, many different things that are not getting into here, but um, not getting treatment obviously meant that things were really messy. We did have, a, a chronic traumatic experience happen that 
seems to be the thing. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without being triggering, right? So it's like, that happened to be the thing that, well, this shouldn't be terribly triggering. So content warning, skip ahead 20 seconds if you feel really sensitive. It's just an overall label. It's not any details. But we were a victim of um, stalking and assault for multiple assaults for several years in adulthood. And that experience seems to be the experience that made our system reorganize to function the way that it had functioned um, throughout the vast majority of our life. So we became able to function again, which seems sort of antithetical for a lot of people. But I think that's the beauty of complex dissociation, right, is being able to live through some pretty horrific stuff and still ostensibly look okay to the world. So basically, we looked back and we're sort of like, I don't know what the hell just happened in our 20s. Like, did did we just make all that up? Meaning the symptoms of DID. Was it all the meds we had to take or the various incendiary treatments or like, or whatever? It is dissociating from dissociating and then moving forward and just living life until PTSD symptoms start ramping up and ultimately beginning to recognize symptoms of DID again. And there were multiple periods throughout that quote unquote living life again, where it was like, wait, wait, maybe that whole DID thing was real, right? And then dismissing it. It is so possible to just not be aware And frankly, I think so many people just don't understand that. You can be self-reflective and think about your thinking and think about how your thoughts impact your behavior and that kind of thing. And you can do that and still not have the awareness needed to understand that you are a system. It's very easy to think that the different voices of parts are thoughts because it's the experience that you've had your whole entire life. It's very easy to make excuses for forgetfulness. Amnesia for amnesia is a thing. Like you don't even know that you have amnesia. It isn't super obvious a lot of the time. It's not like every day you're like, wait, what just happened between one and three? I'm missing two hours. That is the experience for some people, but it's not the experience for a lot of people. It is more like you start realizing that there is an unwieldy amount of forgetfulness that you can't account for. When parts of you are present and suddenly you can't remember how old you are. You can't pull up your zip code. You're not able to pull up just basic information that you use all the time, whether that's your social security number, if you're from the US, or if it is your current address, you might only be able to remember your childhood address, which can give you a clue of what part might be present, or at least the age of the part that might be present. You can make excuses for all kinds of things. And then there is a point that you get to where you're like, uh, so there are a lot of people telling me about situations that I was in and doing things that I would never do that I don't remember. And this is happening too often. It's too often that I think somebody is in my Netflix account, for example, watching something. It's too often that I'm meeting people and not knowing who they are and trying to uh, dismiss it as an, an incidental meeting somewhere. So denial is a whole thing throughout multiple different parts of the experience of dissociative identities, right? Even what I'm just describing now. But when you get to a place 
that I'm just discussing in this moment, right? Where you're like, okay, there's a little bit too much and there are voices and I can actually see what the parts look like. And I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself or there are other parts that are looking in the mirror, not recognizing themselves because they look different. They have different bodies or parts that don't have a body. It's complex. When that surreal kind of feeling dissipates and you begin to have curiosity That is a turning point, certainly was a turning point for us. And realizing that as much as I might want to initially reject parts because I, quote, just want to be normal, whatever the hell that is, beginning to develop gratitude for parts because it's because of them that we survived. It's because of them that I'm alive. It's because of them that I can do the things that I can do, right? But in order for it to work more smoothly, There needs to be communication, cooperation, and collaboration between all of the parts so that they're not just kind of showing up and wreaking havoc in the world, right? Like we have parts that are great at management and parts that are, that you can laugh, the parts that love to create PowerPoints. And it's really helpful if I need to create a PowerPoint that that part shows up to do it. It's less helpful when a part that is little shows up. I'm thinking about, um, you know, little anecdotes sometimes that you hear throughout the course of a day or commentary from parts when it stays internal and you notice it yourself, it's not harmful, right? Like sitting at a picnic table and a duck flying overhead and having a little part yell out, ducky. If that happens in the headspace, that's fine. It's less helpful if it gets blurted out of your mouth. When you can get an agreement between parts to show up at times when they're needed to do the things that they're good at doing, whether that is, you know, management or writing or being creative or whatever, life flows more smoothly. But it's not like most people can just be like, all right, I'm going to start communicating with my my parts. And then we have this amazing, you know, level of communication. That was not our experience. And we can tackle that in another podcast episode, but, you know, having assistance to be able to develop that communication so that we can figure out a plan for the day and who's doing what, when, and all of that is extremely helpful. And it's really hard for that to happen if you are living in a state of constant denial saying, I am making this up, I'm faking this, DID isn't real, or whatever it is. There needs to be a level of I guess, acceptance, right, that these parts exist, these parts are here so that we can talk about them openly in therapy or with people who are able to help us develop that internal cooperation or can't talk communication so that we can develop cooperation and collaboration at the same time, right? Denial isn't something that just happens in the beginning. It's something that happens throughout the process. It comes and it goes for a lot of different reasons. So Maybe your system is quiet or quieter. Your symptoms may decrease for a period of time for different reasons. Maybe one part is fronting for a prolonged period of time. Some systems rapid switch, some don't. Uh, It can be a variation in how you're accustomed to living with your system that suddenly lets you feel like, wait, maybe this isn't real. The problem with that, right, is that The longer that we spend in denial, the more time that we spend not figuring out how to 
live collaboratively, how to build a life that feels good, how to thrive in life, how to work in treatment differently, how to talk openly about what it is that we're coping with while we're living as a system. So we encourage the use and creation of, or creation and use of, a denial file. We actually wrote a blog on that early on in our Substack blog. And the the blog itself takes you through a series of questions to help you identify things that might be really helpful to put in your own unique denial file. But the idea of the denial file is you have this compilation of symptoms that you experience or things that you experience in your system that tell you that you are a system. And you can look at that to remind you when you are in a period of denial and it helps you come out of the denial faster. So it might be experiences like like sitting at a picnic table with other people and having that screaming kid part yell, Ducky! Or maybe it is having the experience, right, of words coming out of your mouth that you're not actually saying and you can't control them. Or maybe it is evidence of a subscription service being watched and you have no recollection of watching the the shows or the episodes on like Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Or perhaps it is the experience of being in the backseat or the passenger seat observing things going on. Maybe it's the images of the parts that you see in your head. Maybe it is being in a particularly challenging moment of despair and all of a sudden the caretaker wise part had come forward and offered you some pretty incredible advice and you have no idea where it came from. It could be whatever is meaningful to you. So the idea is when you're system is not functioning like it normally does, or that doubt is creeping up, you read through the list of things and it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. It's real. It can save you a lot of time. I know for us, when I think about the places where we spin our wheels, it's really when we are in those periods of doubt and periods of denial. And there are other times that it is just so obvious that we actually laugh at the fact that we've ever doubted it. So, you know, it is what it is. So we hope that this has been helpful to at least some degree. We hope that if you have never connected with us before, you have a little bit of an idea of who we are, what we hope to do in this space. Most of all, we want to thank you so very much for coming on this journey with us. The DID community is such a brilliant, creative, loving, wonderful community. It's phenomenal to be a part of it. We look forward to connecting with you all more. Again, any topic suggestions or guest ideas, please feel free to get in contact and know that we have incredible respect for each and every one of you. And here is to a bright future for all of us where there is acceptance and no stigma so everyone can live freely the way that they would like to live. Until next time, thanks for being here. tuning in. You can find our blog on Substack at healingmyparts.substack.com and on Instagram at healingmyparts. Just a disclaimer, any information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for professional therapy or behavioral health care, nor does listening to the podcast constitute a therapist-client relationship. Please be sure to take extra good care of you. And until next time, keep healing and thriving.